Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. This is your host, Hal Elrod. It is so great to have you here. Thank you for listening today. I really appreciate it. And uh, today's today's good. Today turned out better than I imagined because I just hit record without any planning or preparation or really much of any intention with this podcast except just speaking my truth, what was on my heart, what I've been learning. And, you know, that really is what it became. I had... I'm reading seven or eight books right now, and I had all of the books in front of me. That was really the only guidance I had was, I'm going to mention these books and what I'm learning and the impact that it's having for me and hopefully in a way that adds value for you. And uh, I don't know, I finished recording and I felt good. It felt good. I feel like um, like a mission was accomplished, and I hope that you feel the same way. I hope you walk away with this episode or from this episode with a lot of things to think about and some stuff to chew on and some actionable content that will enhance your life. That's my hope. And before we dive into the episode, I just want to take a minute, as I always do, to pay some appreciation, gratitude to our sponsor of the podcast, Organifi. And Organifi, um, if you're a listener to the podcast, you know you know Organifi, right? They, they make some of the world's healthiest, most natural, organic, plant-based supplements without any synthetic chemicals. Um, at least I don't know if there's none, but I think there's none. I mean, it's, it's, it's very clean products. And most, most supplements are made with, you know, like vitamin C is made with ascorbic acid, and they just use all sorts of synthetic junk that really shouldn't go in your body, at least not optimally. So I prefer to get all of my nutrients from nature and not from a lab. So if you're with me and you wanna up level your health, Check out Organifi.com forward slash Hal, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash Hal, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash Hal. It's Organifi.com forward slash Hal and the code, make sure you type in at the checkout. If you find some stuff you want to try out, you want to get, uh, type in Hal, H-A-L at checkout, and you'll get 15% off of your entire order on top of their sale prices. So uh, I love their products. I've used them for years. I drink them every day. I put them in my smoothies. I put them in my coffee. I put them in water. I, I use it every single day, the Organifi products. And I encourage you to check out the site, Organifi.com forward slash Hal. Use the code Hal. And I hope you find something there that you love, that adds value to your life, up levels your health, etc. Without further ado, I am now introducing me because <laughs> this is a solo, a solo episode. So I hope you uh, get, again, hope you get a lot out of this and uh, I love you. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. <laughs> Hello, friends, goal achievers, members of the Miracle Morning community. It's Hal Elrod. And uh, today, this is a rant. And what do I mean by a rant? Maybe rant's not the right word. Uh, but this is where I just decided to hit record and not script anything. Well, I don't usually script anything, but I usually outline my podcast like, hey, let's talk about you know, these three points today, or let's open with this, conclude with this. 
because I want to give you the most amount of value possible. So does that mean today I'm not committed to giving the most amount of value possible? It is. That's not what it means. It just means that I want to just kind of just like we're having a conversation. Think of it that way, right? When you have a conversation with somebody, you don't bullet point it. You don't outline it, right? You just have a conversation. And um, usually what you say, not all of it's valuable, as I'm sure not everything I say today will be valuable. <laughs> uh, but usually, right, if you're present and if you've, you've got a, a, a good intentions and, and a good heart and you're really uh, engaged in that conversation, you know, typically value is, is almost always emerges. And so really the general topic of what I want to talk about today is what I'm focused on right now and um, how it might serve you, how it might uh, not, not directly serve you in this moment, or how do I say that? Um, not that what I'm focusing on will serve you, but by you taking what I'm focusing on and then considering what you're focusing on right now. I don't know if that made sense, but like I said, we're just ranting here. So I'm reading, uh, I've been reading a, six books kind of back and forth and reading and rereading them. And I'm kind of doing, it, it's preliminary research for the, my, my next book, for the future of the work that I'm doing. I've really been, really for the last couple of years, ever since The Miracle Equation, my last book came out, I've been pondering what is the next book? You know, what's the next message I have for the world? And I've been dripping it out a little bit here and there on the podcast. Um, but I want to I'm gonna mention the books that I'm reading right now that are all kind of my research for the and it's the work that I'm doing in terms of the message I want to share with the world. But the way that that always starts, at least for me, is experiencing it myself. Right. Everything that I've ever written about, for the most part, is uh, my own experience, like the Miracle Morning, was this thing that I did in my own life. It changed my life. And then through that experience, I felt like, wow, this helped me and it could help other people. So I have a, I feel a sense of responsibility to share it with as many people as I possibly can. So in that same vein of going first, if you will, like I'm not going to write about something just that I haven't actually experienced myself. I'm really, for the last year or two, I've really been doing a lot of inner work, I guess you could say. It's probably the best way to put it. And so I'm sharing with you kind of as I'm on that journey, not making you wait a year, you know, until a book comes out, write a new book, but actually sharing this with you as I'm experiencing it, as I'm working through it so that you can do the same and so that you can apply some of these distinctions and insights and lessons and strategies and knowledge to improve your life, um, to enhance your life, to uplift yourself, right? Whatever, whatever it is that serves you. So I'm going to tell you, I'll just read off the books that I'm reading or rereading right now. Um, so two of them that I've, I've actually, I think I've actually read chapters from over the last year or so on the podcast. One of those is The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. That's a very foundational book uh, for for me, the way that I live my life and and for the the message that I want to share with the world. So if you've read that, reread it. I highly encourage you to. I'm on like my, my fourth read now. But it's a book really to if you master that book, you kind of master yourself. You master true freedom, which for me is I that's inner freedom. You know, the ability to choose your mental and emotional and spiritual state independent of 
conditions, independent of what anyone else thinks, says, does, has expectations of you, circumstances, events, right? You being completely in control of how you experience the world and how you show up in the world. So that that's arguably that's my main goal uh, right now. It ha- and it has been off and on for 20 years, but it, it is really, I'm present to it now, which is to achieve that inner freedom where nothing anybody could say to you could affect your emotional state, right? And and not that, you know, that that that's the, I would say that's the, when you're ultimately there, like if you've really mastered this work that I've been doing and that I'm, I'm sharing with you, then nothing anyone said could rattle you, right? Now, I don't know if I'll ever get there, right? That might be a, a lifelong attempt and aspiration, uh, but I'm absolutely committed to being there. And, and then I know for me in my past, like I've had the, I've, I, the other part of the inner freedom is that no circumstance can affect your emotional state. And that one I've actually been pretty proficient at. You know, when I had my car accident when I was 20, told I would never walk again, it didn't affect my emotional state. I'm like, got it, can't change it. I'm gonna be happy and grateful anyway. When I got cancer, got it, that sucks. There's, you're telling me there's an 80% chance I'm gonna die, whatever. That's not gonna affect my emotional state. I will never let my circumstances determine my emotional state and my mental state and my spiritual state, right? That is unwavering for me. And so that one I've, I've gotten, I've, I've done okay at, but when it comes to like what people say, no, I for sure get affected by that. So that one, I am a novice. I have not mastered. You know, if somebody says something, I absolutely can get offended or get upset or get embarrassed or get triggered, right? I mean, I'm sure you can relate to that, I would imagine. Um, unless you've mastered that area. But so here we go. So uh, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer is one of the books that I'm researching for my personal life and for my future work or my current and future work. Michael Singer's other book, The Surrender Experiment, is another big one. And for me, uh, that's been huge, especially in my meditations. And I encourage you to try this. Like we rarely surrender. And when I say we, I'm, you know, I don't mean to project. You might be like, Hell, I surrender all the time. Um, But to surrender means that you essentially stop the need to control life and control outcomes and control people, right? Most of us have this, this need to control things and make things the way we want them to be. And I love in the surrender experiment, one of my favorite sentiments from that book was, the essence of, you know, he, he talked about when he looked back at his life, that all of the wonderful things in his life, the majority of them happened outside of his direct effect. You know, like, you know, his spouse, right? When he met the woman of his dreams. And I don't know if that's the exact example he used, but there's an example you can imagine, right? Like, you know, it's not like you were like, I'm going to meet this person named this, this human, like I know who they are and I'm looking to meet them. No, it's like you just met them online or you met him at a book club or you met him at college or you, right? You just ran across that person and then they were the greatest thing that ever happened in your life, you know? Um, so the point of surrendering to life itself, and, and again, that could be a faith in God, right? To not surrender would be to lack that faith. To go, I have to make things the way that I want would be a lack of faith um, or, or could be interpreted as a lack of faith in spirit or, or higher power. So the surrender experiment, for me, I find that I've always got this tension in my shoulders, like this, this like, oh, I gotta make things the way I want them to be. And if they don't go the way I want them to go, then I've got to accept them and be at peace. But I really want them to be this certain way. 
oh, and I've got, it's this constant stress and tension that I'm usually not even aware of, by the way, until I meditate in a state of surrender. And then I see what it's like to oh, just exhale and let it, let that, that need for control, just to let that go and just surrender that, hey, I'm going to keep doing the best I can. I'm going to keep keep living in alignment with my values. I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I'm just going to surrender the outcome and just let it let happen what's going to happen when it's going to happen. And and when I do that I realize a how good that feels. Right? Try it right now. I'm like doing it right now. I'm just oh, I'm just I'm just letting my shoulders just relax and my energy just relax and just surrender and just allow life to happen and stop feeling this need that I've got to force it and and control it. Ah, that feels so good. And then it's when I do that, when I meditate and surrender, which I've been doing almost every day lately, that I realize, wow, I carry a lot of unconscious stress and tension by me trying to make things the way I want them to be and worrying if they're not going to go according to plan. You know, a great example is um, my uh, my wife and I are looking for a um, property. We've been for a long time now, for probably a year. We've been talking about getting like a country home. We want just like something not too expensive, but just something that is on a little bit of land that we can go out with the family and we can camp there and get away from electronics and, you know, just and, and I'd love to get motorcycles. As a kid, I had motorcycles. Like, so there's some little dreams that are that are woven into this vision, but we, we, we have like so much stress around finding the right property and we found some that were like, wait, was that the right one? And did we lose it? And oh no, now did we, did we, was that the one that got away? You know? And then this morning we were talking about it and I just go, look, I go, let's just surrender. It's, it's going to be what it's going to be. And, and, you know, and my wife said back to me, she, she's like, hey, you know what? You're right. She's like, the house that we live in now is like our dream. It's perfect for us. And while we were looking for it, maybe you can relate to this. While we were looking for this house, we found others that we made offers on and that we thought were the one and that we loved and that we, and that we were so attached to and we tried to control the outcome. And then when we didn't get the house, we were, you know, there was this sense of loss and we're sad and, you know, we're upset, we're disappointed, we're, you know, right, all this. And then for what? Life had better plans. God had better plans, right? Like, and then we, you know, and then we found another house. Oh, that was the one. Oh no, we didn't get that one. Oh man, first we didn't get the first one and then this one. And, uh, and then we end up finding by chance, like the way we got this house. Actually, I'll tell you the story. I don't know if you know the story. It's kind of crazy. We were going to move and we had sold our house where we used to live and we sold our house and we had like a month or three weeks to move out because the buyers needed to, they were moving from out of state. And we, so we were rushed, like, okay, we got to find the perfect house. And we looked around, found a few houses, you know, and we ended up, we found one that we kind of liked and the market wasn't that, you know, you could take your time back then. This was five years, four few years ago. Now in Austin, you can't take your time. Uh, there, the, every day the house goes on the market and it's sold that day with like three offers. But anyway, so we, we were looking at houses and we found a couple that were like, okay, and we were going to pick between one of the two. And I went out of town to this front row dad's retreat. And the day I was going out of town, I said, sweetheart, to my wife, I said, will you schedule one more day to look at houses? I, I feel, I just, I like, I have this intuition, like these houses that we found, we don't love them. 
And they're going to, you know, it's going to be a huge investment of not just money, but I mean, time and energy years of our life. And we don't love them. Like, I feel like for this, you know, big of an investment of time and money and energy, we should love what we're getting. Will you give it one more day? Will you go look like five or six houses and, and go for one more day? And, you know, I just, I just have this feeling that we might find something. And she's like, yeah. So I'm at the retreat out of state and she's looking at houses and she's texting me out through all the day, throughout the day, sending me pictures, calling me. And basically house number one doesn't work. House number two doesn't work. House number three doesn't work. Four doesn't work. And I think she had five or six lined up that day. And she's going to the last house and she's driving there and we're on the phone and I'm on like a lunch break from the front road ads retreat. And, uh, She's like, I go, she goes, well, I hope this is it. And I said, well, if it's not, you know, it's whatever. Those other houses are okay. Like, it'll be fine. I go, but let's, you know, I just, I have a good feeling about this and, and uh, let's put our energy into it. Right. Get a little metaphysical. And uh, she's on the phone with me and she goes, oh my gosh, we're, we're turning into uh, Tim and Melissa's neighborhood. And Tim and Melissa are friends of ours that have kids that are, you know, same age as ours. And I, I go, no way. It, this is in Tim and Melissa's neighborhood. She goes, yeah. I go, oh my gosh, it, this it's gotta be it. It's, this is meant to be. And she's like, yeah. And she's driving. And she goes, oh my gosh, it's on their street. I go, no way. This is, I mean, talk about a miracle. Like of all the millions of houses in Austin, the last one that our realtor found for us, we didn't even know where it was, is next door to our friends. And uh, I go, oh my, I go, I was so excited. I just felt this flood of like, intuitive certainty, like, yes, this is meant to be. This is it. The odds of this are like one in a million, literally, literally one in a million. I don't know how many houses there are in Austin, but probably millions, right? Or a million. I don't know. It's a lot. A million. 500,000. I don't know. It's a lot. And so she's like, I'll call, I'll call you back. And so she goes, she looks at the house, she calls me back. She's like, nope, it's not going to work. I go, no, what? Why? She said, it's, it's, it's not, it's missing a bed. We need another bedroom for your office. It doesn't have enough bedrooms. I go, uh, no, this can't be like, it's, it's felt so right. I said, are you sure? Like, we, could we add it on to the back? Could we, you know, build it? Like, is there something we could do? She's like, no, I just, and there was this other thing. It just, it won't work. I go, uh, I can't believe it. I like, I felt so certain that that, that felt so meant to be. She said, yeah, me too. I'm going to go see if Melissa's home and I'll catch you later. And so she goes next door to our friend Melissa's house, knocks on the door. Melissa goes, whoa, it's so weird. You caught me. I'm normally never here at this time. And my wife says, Ursula says, oh, we were next door looking at the house, but it doesn't work. You know, we were, we were so excited. We thought it was going to be, we would be going to be neighbors, but it doesn't work for us. The house doesn't work. She goes, and Melissa says, I happen to know that the house on the other side of us is going on the market tomorrow. I know the woman who owns it and the house is, it, it's, it's amazing. It's your dream house. She said, let's go over and see if she's there. So Melissa walks Ursula over next door and they knock on the door and the woman is there with her realtor and they're at the kitchen table with like hundreds of brochures about to like go on this full on push to sell their house. Right. And, and so Melissa asked if, if my wife could go look, they tore the house with the realtor. My wife calls me, says, sweetheart, this is everything that we want and more. They're go it's going on the market tomorrow. I, I, I love it. It's perfect. And sight unseen, I, I never even saw the house. I said, or, or like, you know, I think I might've asked a couple questions and, you know, I said, but you, you, you're sure nothing, you're not just emotional. Like you logistically, it makes sense. Bedroom, square footage, everything that we need. 
And uh, she said, yeah, no, it, it, is, it is perfect. I said, make a full price offer. So that's the house that I'm sitting in right now. I'm sitting in the office that we needed, right? I, we're living in that house. Like if that's not an example of surrendering and how you, how could we have planned for that? How could we have, you, we couldn't have, you could never have planned for that, right? It was all, you can call it coincidence. You can call it serendipity. I don't know about you, but if I look back throughout my life, most of the great things that have happened in my life have happened by chance, right? I got a career, uh, I got a job on the radio when I was 15. My dream was to be a radio DJ. I, out of nowhere, I get a phone call from the owner of the local radio station who heard about me from somebody else, right? I didn't go apply for it. I didn't pursue it. I just had this dream of being on the radio and life had some sort of plan for me. And then I get a call and I ended up getting the job, right? I was with a friend who happened to stop by his work when I was with him at the Cutco office, right? And I ended up getting, meeting the manager, getting hired. And that was a six-year career that changed the course of my life. You know, I could have, I didn't, I didn't plan for it. I didn't, I didn't look in the newspaper. I didn't, I just was there, you know? And of course, I think it's important that when opportunities do present themselves, you have to take advantage. I think that's an extraordinarily crucial distinction around this way of living with surrender, which I didn't plan on going this deep into the topic of surrender. But again, this is a, a rant. I don't have any notes here. But again, the point being that yes, when you surrender, right, it means that you take away the stress and the anxiety and the fear of needing to control everything. <sighs> And you just, like water, moving through a rocky, you know, creek bed. You just move around the obstacles, right? You find the opportunities. And again, the distinction is you have to be proactive when the opportunities present themselves. When I got presented the opportunity to, you know, be on the radio, I went down, I interviewed, I, you know, I, I was proactive, I got the gig, I then put flyers all over town, promoting my radio show every week, right, I was really proactive. When my wife was able, you know, got to look at this house that we live in, right, it, I was proactive, I said, hey, let's not dilly-dally, let's not sleep on it, and you could argue, hey, you should sleep on it. I said, make a full price offer right now, let's, before this thing goes on the market, if you really feel like this is our dream home, Let's get it, right? And that's exactly what we did. And then, uh, what was the other example I used? I forgot. But the point is, when oper so surrendering and being, being at peace with outcomes before they even happen, allowing life to just flow, and then being proactive when opportunities present themselves. So The Surrender Experiment is another book that I've, uh, that's a big part of my work right now. My inner work, right, that I'm doing on myself, for the benefit of me, my family, and humanity. That's something that for me, I, I, I view everything that I do. And I, I, you know, I, I invite you to consider that. Like I, I, was writing, um, I was writing yesterday and I was writing about, I was actually writing the about me section of my website, which is really challenging for me. In fact, I've been working, I've probably spent, this is crazy, but get a, little, a little peek into how uh, much time I spend on writing and stuff. I've probably spent six or seven hours this week 
working on the about me page, which is normally what, like a paragraph or two. And I've spent six or seven hours crafting it and rewording it. And, you know, and I get it, I get, I get, I have an insecurity of, I don't like to write about myself, even though I do it. Like it, I, I, I'm always going, oh, are people judging me? Do I come across as narcissistic or arrogant? Am I telling too many of my own story? You know what I mean? I like, I, I, I it's my own issue. I got to, I'll stop burdening you with my own insecurity that I need to work on. But, um, but the point is I was writing, I was trying to identify, like put into words, my purpose and, and, and how how I view that. And it was, uh, what was it? It was consistently evolving toward my highest potential in service of humanity. So the point is, I'm sharing that, again, not making it about me, but encouraging you to consider that what if we all live that way? What if we all live that way where we are all committed? And I'm not trying to project my values uh, or my purpose onto you. I'm just inviting you to consider and if it doesn't make sense for you, yeah, you know, throw it away. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. But it's like a buffet. You go to the buffet, you look around, you, yeah, I want that. I'm going to leave that, right? So take this idea or leave it, whatever you want. But the point is, um, what if we all lived that way where we lived, where a huge part of either, whether it was our primary purpose or one of our purposes or uh, just an intention, but what if it was, a, what if we all lived where we all were committed to fulfilling our potential in every way, mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, uh, relationally, internally, and spiritually, in every way, if we were all working, and I know many of you are, so some of you I'm preaching to the choir, but if we were all working to fulfill our potential, to be the best that we could possibly be, and not, not to be the best as in better than anyone else, but as Matthew Kelly taught, which I've you know repeated thousands of times in his book, The Rhythm of Life, he calls you know, the purpose of life is to become the best version of yourself. And I love that. That's a fundamental driver. So I think that, you know, this is what I just said is another way of saying that becoming the best version of yourself, but the caveat is in service of humanity. So that we're not just doing it selfishly so that huh, I'm going to be the best version of me so I can, you know, be the most successful person in, that I know and make the most money and, and, and be better than everyone else, right? Like that, that's, you, you could, you, that could be one reason you want to be the best version of yourself is just for purely selfish reasons, right? And I don't think you can ever remove selfish reasons. I think that everything we do benefits us. Even if you do something selflessly to help somebody, you feel good. You get, you, it fulfills you. So it benefits you even if it's it's about them or being selfless. But the point is, if we're doing it in service of humanity, we're like, I'm going to become the best I can be, and then I'm going to reach out, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to help that person, and I'm going to inspire that person. I'm going to inspire every person that I possibly can. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to inspire. I'm going to help. I'm going to support every person I possibly can to become the best version of themselves. So forgot where I was going with that. But anyway, uh, but there you go. So that's my invitation is to consider that working to fulfill your potential, not only for you, but in service to others. And by the way, you might not want to, you know, change the world or make a difference for like, you know, humanity, like just, just do it for you and your family or your friends or your circle of influence, right? Just, I always say, you know, do it for those you love and those you lead. That one of the greatest gifts that we can give to others, to those that we love and those that we lead, is to fulfill our potential. 
Because in doing so, we now have more capability to help them help others fulfill their potential, right? And then the ripple effect of that, one, you know, I help you, you help someone else, they help someone else, they help someone all of a sudden, the world is a better place. All right, so those first two books I spent a lot of time on. Um, I did, actually, the first one I didn't, uh, The Untethered Soul. Um, but the biggest concept I got from that was inner freedom, by the way, which is kind of what this is all about. But that came from The Untethered Soul, the idea of inner freedom. And I believe that it was Michael Singer in Untethered Soul. Uh, I believe he is the one that where I got the language uh, to be happy, independent of conditions. In fact, it is that's the chapter I read a while back on the podcast. It's called The Vow of Happiness. And it's the commitment that I'm committed to being happy no matter what. Whether I get, you know, fired from my job or I get cancer or I put on a few pounds or, you know, I whatever, whatever. Like I, I'm committed. It's the vow of happiness. Not I'm only happy if X, Y, and Z works out the way that I want it to. But no. I'm happy no matter what. The other two books I am reading and just recently discovered, Searching for and Maintaining Peace and Interior Freedom. Both of those books are by Father Jacques Felipe. Uh, My mother-in-law, I was on vacation with my mother-in-law and my family a couple weeks ago in Colorado, and my mother-in-law hands me this book. It's a little book, uh, Searching for and Maintaining Peace. And uh, she said, oh, I thought you might like this, you know, and I was blown away. I, I, I you know, I underlined more, probably more than almost half of it. I mean, it's, it's such a good book. And then that got me to order uh, Jacques Felipe's other book, Interior Freedom, which I just started. Um, and those are essentially about, again, same thing. All of these books are overlapping, which are really reinforcing and expanding my understanding of this concept of what I call, would call true freedom, right? True freedom is where you it's inner freedom, that ability to choose how you experience life in every moment, regardless of conditions, events, circumstances, other people, what they say, what they do or don't do, that no one and nothing except for you is responsible for how you experience life, how you feel, what you think, your quality of life. It's not dependent on anything outside of you. It is dependent on everything inside of you. And most of us don't live that way. And most of us don't think that way. And um, there are multiple reasons for that. A lot of that is conditioning. A lot of that is conditioning. You know, if, if our mom or dad got angry when things went wrong, for our first 18 years of our life, well, guess what? There's a good chance we're going to get angry. What's interesting is you're, it's actually your parent in a way living through you, right? That conditioning from that experience, right? It's like, it's your, it's not even your thoughts. It's your dad's thoughts or your mom's thoughts and the way that they react. And then now you're just, you're just, you've become a little, a piece of them is now part of you right? So in order for us to be truly free, it's free from all of our past programming. And, and it's a process, which is what I'm really working on. You know, that's why I'm like, I'm not taking this lightly. This is years of research. And this book that I'm going to write, the next book I'm going to write, um, I want it to be similar to The Miracle Morning, where it takes what are monumental, if you will, spiritual concepts and, and practical concepts, but, but it really makes them 
really simple and digestible and actionable. Because, you know, undoing decades of programming isn't something that you can do by snapping your fingers. It's not something you can do by listening to a podcast episode. It's something you have to do by reconditioning. You know, in The Miracle Morning, I know has done a lot of that for a lot of people, a lot of you listening. Um, it's an opportunity every day to do the savers and to recondition your beliefs and your mindset through silence and affirmations and visualization and all of these practices, right? Um, and this is kind of, I guess, I don't know, the next level, if you will. Not sure how to explain it. I'm still working through that. Another book I've read, uh, and I'm still reading, I think I'm halfway through it, is called The More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know is Possible by Charles Eisenstein. And I'd like to have Charles, I'll probably have him on the podcast at some point. Um, but again, The More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know is Possible. And that's a little more on the outer, you know, not as much the inner world, but the outer world. And I think that for us to have the ultimate freedom, it, it really is both. You know, if you are, if you have inner freedom, but you don't, you, you, your actions put you in difficult positions, difficult, if you create difficult conditions for yourself, while true inner freedom, you can be at peace and happy and grateful, regardless of those conditions, it's a lot easier and it's a lot more enjoyable, right? To practice inner freedom when you also have outer freedom right? Outer freedom being where you've created conditions where you get to live life the way that you want to. You get to live life on your terms. Like that's the ultimate freedom. So true freedom to me is the inner freedom, but the ultimate freedom is both, right? Well, you don't, it's not about having one without the other. It's not about renouncing all your possessions and living in poverty and, um, you know, at least not, unless, unless it's what you want. To me, it's, it's, it's living life on your terms, right? That's, that's the ultimate freedom. And so, the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible is a little bit more about, you know, how to, how to really, um, what's possible in our world in terms of how we want to affect change in our world. Um, another book that's in alignment with uh, kind of the, the bridge between the outer world and the inner world is called, and this is, I'm just, I just finished this the other day. It's called, Who Do We Choose to Be? Facing Reality, Claiming Leadership, Restoring Sanity by Margaret J. Wheatley. Again, who do we choose to be? Um, and John Berghoff, my good buddy, uh, recommended this book to me. And it's essentially saying that, look, the world's crazy. <laughs> There's a lot of chaos in the world. And you may or may not be able to change that. In fact, likely you can't change it. Like the, It's a very sobering opening to the book where she's like, look, I, I, she's like, I, I've been an activist most of my life. And, and as an activist, we, we live on hope, right? I, we're going to change things. We're going to change the, you know, the, we're going to change the pollution in the ocean. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And she said, and as years go by, and not only did the things that I was committed to improving or changing, not only did they not get better, things like pollution, things like poverty, things like disease, Right. And, and this, by the way, this might be a sobering kind of a, a reality check for you, too. I know it was for me, but it actually it felt really good once I once I once I, I made peace with it. But she said, not only did those things that all of us activists had been working on with hope and optimism, not only did they not get better, but they got worse. More people got cancer, 
more pollution occurred, right? The planet was, was you know, more plastic was dumped into the ocean. No matter, despite our efforts, things got worse. So she said, the question, it's not just about the outcomes because there's a lot of outcomes that, that you or I can't control. You know, it's a sobering reality check. She said, it's about, and it's the title of her book, who do we choose to be? Who do we choose to be in the midst of chaos? Who do we choose to be in the midst of some declining aspects of our life, of our planet? Who do we choose to be in the midst of adversity, in the midst of insanity, right? And she actually, I love the term she used. She talks about being an island of sanity in a sea of chaos. Who do we choose to be? Right? When they're in the midst of chaos, do we join the chaos? Do we exacerbate the chaos? Or do we choose to be an island of sanity in a sea of chaos? In your family, it's a great place to start. In fact, it's the, well, starting with yourself and then starting with the people that are closest to you, that's, that's the only place to start. Are you an island of sanity when there is a sea of chaos at home? When your spouse is angry and upset, do you exacerbate their anger and their upsetness? Or do you present yourself as a source of calm, as an island of sanity in a sea of chaos? It begins with yourself. Your life might feel like a sea of chaos right now, but are you meditating every day from a place of surrender, from a place of acceptance, accepting your life exactly as it is in this moment, not resigning yourself to your life as it is because you can accept it as it is while staying committed and inspired and taking action to make it the way you want it to be. So that being an island in a sea of chaos starts with you every day, that daily meditation. And when you can get hold of you, when you can handle the challenge that is you and your inner chaos, only then can you expand that island of sanity to others. And now you can be that in the chaos of your relationships, in the chaos of your workplace or your industry, in the chaos of your community, in the chaos of your world. So that book, Who Do We Choose to Be by Margaret Wheatley, is a huge part of the work I've been doing. And the most recent book, the other book that I'm reading, but I'm reading it really slowly. Um, I've been, I, like, I read a few pages and then I put it down for like a few weeks and then I, I need to, yeah. So, But it's called um, Transcending the Levels of Consciousness, The Stairway to Enlightenment by David Hawkins. This will be the next book that I dive into fully. It's the last book, I think. Um, and I should never say famous last words, the last book, but in terms of the, the work that I'm doing, the research that I'm doing um, for my next book and for the future, uh, that's going to be, it's an important one. It's just a really like kind of, it, it's not my style of book. It's a really kind of heavy data-driven kind of, you know, just really thick, <laughs> I guess is a way of describing it. How many pages is it? David Hawkins, all of his books are long. Yeah, it's, it's 400 pages. It's not too long. Um, but, uh, but anyway, last but not least, 
Oh, no, I think I missed one. Loving What Is by Byron Katie. I don't have that sitting in front of me right now, so I almost forgot it. But Loving What Is is another book. Um, I've taught for 20 years the power of acceptance. The, and you've, I'm sure you've heard me talk about this before. And I wrote about it in the, my recent book, The Miracle Equation. It, the chapter is called Becoming Emotionally Invincible. And it's, I'll just, I'll cover it here in a, one minute. It's just the idea that, or the, the concept that every painful emotion that we have ever felt, that we are feeling now, or that we could feel in the future, all of our emotional suffering is self-created. It is created by our, self-created by our resistance to our reality. To the degree that we resist reality, we wish something were different. Oh, I, I didn't want it to be that way. No, it's not supposed to happen that way. No, I didn't. Wait, why is there traffic? I need to get to my... Our resistance to reality creates our emotional pain. And the opposite of resistance is acceptance. So accepting life exactly as it is. And again, doesn't mean you're resigning yourself to life as it is, that you're not going to change it. You're not going, well, it's not throwing your hands up. No, it's very different. Throwing your hands up is resignation. Putting your hands in prayer position at your heart, taking a deep breath and saying, life is in this moment exactly as it is. And I'm at peace with that. I accept that. And now that I'm at peace, I'm going to go do something to change it. You see the difference? Very subtle yet profound difference. Accepting something and resigning yourself to the way it, right? It's different. Being at peace is that place that gives you emotional neutrality and then you're not acting out of, you're not reacting. You're not, oh, I'm so angry. I'm so upset. I'm so, I did to do something. That's one way to get something done or, but, but you're not thinking clearly right? As soon as you're emotional, your intellect is trumped by your emotion. But when you accept life exactly as it is in the moment and you choose consciously and intentionally to be at peace with your life exactly as it is, now you're emotionally neutral. And now you can think clearly, not reactively, not emotionally, not aggressively, right? You can think clearly. What's the situation how might I want it to be? And what is the most effective course of action for me to create change, to affect change, to cause change? What that place of peace, which is accessed through acceptance. So the reason I share that, remind you of that lesson, is Byron Katie's book, Loving What Is, goes a step further so instead of just accepting your life in the moment exactly as it is, which includes accepting people as they are and stop resisting who they are and wishing they were different, but thereby creating emotional pain and emotional anguish within the relationship because they're not the way you want them to be, you're resisting the reality of who they are. So Byron Katie goes further and instead of ex just accepting it, that's like, that's like, that's like 1.0. She talks about loving it, actually loving what is loving the pain. And I can tell you that when I was in the hospital with cancer, I went that I went further. I went beyond acceptance and I was actually loving the pain that I was in. And I'll tell you, pain is painful, right? You, you probably, you don't need to write that one down. That, that, that's a given pain is painful. Here's the point. Pain is painful, but resisting the pain 
only makes it more painful. To the degree that you resist your reality is the degree you create emotional pain. So emotional pain is created after physical pain if you resist the physical pain. Stick with me here. So meaning pain is painful. You go, oh, I'm, I hurt. Now, if you go, God, I don't, I hate this. Why do I have to hurt like this? This is, it's so bad. I don't like it. I don't want, I want it to end. Look at how much worse that pain became because it went from just being physical pain to emotional pain, like detrimental emotional pain. Now imagine accepting the pain. That's, that's one point. Now let's start there. Oh God, this hurts so bad. Oh, but I can't change it. So I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to breathe through it. I'm going to breathe through it. I'm not going to wish it were different because it's not. It's reality. In this moment, I am experiencing pain, physical pain. I can resist that and create emotional pain on top of the physical, but I don't think that serves me. I think that just makes it worse. Or I could take a deep breath and just say, can't change it. I'm in pain. This sucks. Man, this sucks. But I'm going to accept it and be at peace with it. And then going one step further with Byron Katie's work, which is, you know what? I'm loving this pain. Mm, It's not easy to do. It's not easy to do, but I'm loving this pain because it does make me stronger. I'm going to get through this. And once I get through this, I will now have endured a new level of pain that I haven't endured before. And I will be that much stronger physically mentally and emotionally, spiritually, if I can be, get through this pain. So I'm going to love this pain. I'm going to be grateful for this pain, grateful for the lesson it teaches me for who I become. And if you might be sitting there going, this is, you're crazy how this sounds crazy. Maybe, 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 but I've been there and done that. And I'll tell you, it's a lot easier to accept the pain you're feeling and be at peace with it than it is to resist it and get upset about it. It's a lot easier to love the pain as weird as that might seem. And by the way, start with, you know, start with stuff. If you're like, okay, accepting the pain and being at peace with it, I, I, I get that. I, 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 I can buy into that, right? But like loving it, I don't know. You might need to read Byron Katie's work because I haven't read her book for a couple months and I can't regurgitate it very well. So, but it's a phenomenal book. Um, and it's a big part of the work that I am going to, you know, that I'm doing now on myself and that I'm gonna be sharing with you and, and with the world. And I think I did read a chapter of Byron Katie's book as well a few months back. I do not remember. Um, I definitely did with Michael Singer's book. I read The the Vow of Happiness a while back, but uh, I don't remember about Byron Katie. And the latest book I'm reading, and it's like, this is the icing on the cake. I'm like, oh, literally I'm reading this book and I'm what, I'm at 50 pages in. Um, It's called Awareness by Anthony DeMello. I don't know if I'm saying that right. The perils, it's awareness, the perils and opportunities of reality. And this book, I'm just like, I can't even tell you. I'm reading it going, oh my God, this is so good. This is so good. And, you know, recency bias, but um, I felt like this is like the icing on the cake for the work that I've been doing. And um, yeah, and I want to, I'm going to read you a couple passages from the book. And I didn't even mark which ones I was going to read. So now I'm going to have to search for these. Um, Well, I'll just, I'll read you this one. Let me tell you something. If you ever let yourself feel good when people tell you that you're okay, you are preparing yourself to feel bad when they tell you you're not good. As long as, ready, listen. As long as you live to fulfill other people's expectations, 
You better watch what you wear, how you comb your hair, whether your shoes are your shoes are polished. In short, whether you live up to every damned expectation of theirs. So again, this is about inner freedom, right? Does your freedom, the freedom to experience life as you would optimally choose, meaning I would, I'm going to venture to say that you prefer to be happy as opposed to unhappy, that you prefer to feel good as opposed to bad. These are just my, my, my assumptions about you, right? About hu- most humans, right? We, we want to be happy. We want to feel good. But what, what, has, what, what, are your, what are your rules around feeling good? If someone, can someone say something to you and you feel good and then someone say something and you feel bad, they push one button, you feel good, they push one button, you feel bad, one, you're up, one, you're down. You're not in control. That You don't have freedom. That's not freedom. That's my inner world, my happiness is dependent on other people. Right? That, that's not freedom. And so, or hey, if things go well in my life, if things go according to plan, I feel good. If things don't go according to plan, I feel bad. And, and uh, now, granted, you could argue, well, you, yeah, that's part of being human. Yes. But consider that that might be part of being a certain level of consciousness. You follow? Meaning, if you have no knowledge of anything, let's just, let's go extreme here. If you've never read a book and you've never learned anything about, you know, being happy or managing your emotional state or whatever, and you grew up in a dysfunctional household, then you're going to be, well, in the book, Awareness, it's what he calls asleep. He talks about how the majority of human beings are absolutely, they go through life asleep and they're not even aware that they are indeed asleep. In fact, I'm, I'm scrolling here to see. Uh, and he says, spirituality means waking up. So anyway, I don't, I don't want to find the part, but he talks about, but right, being how we're asleep. So a certain level of consciousness is that of reactivity. And I guess I'm ex- right now, my inner work is exploring how can I be totally in control of my inner world and my mental, emotional, and spiritual state, regardless of the conditions of my life, regardless of other people. That's a big one. That's the one I got to work on. Other people's expectations, other people's judgment. I don't know about you, but I like I deal with that a lot. I'm really, I'm, I'm a big baby. I'm overly sensitive. I, I care what you think about me. I used to think that I didn't, but I, I really, it's important to me that people, that, that, that I'm authentic and that people see me for the real me. And I would imagine that's true for you too, right? That's part of being human, I guess, right? Um, but I'm really, I'm trying to transcend that. And it's not that I won't care what others think. I, I think that I, I, I would always, out of respect for other people, I will care what they think, but I don't want my inner world to be defect, affected, determined, dependent on what other people think. So if someone says, Hal, I hate you. You're the worst person ever. I want to be like consciously. I've, I've done enough work to know that that has nothing to do with me. That's about them, right? I did Landmark Forum when I was like 20, early 20s, and that 
that's one of the biggest takeaways I got is, you know, take nothing personally. If someone says you're ugly, it doesn't mean you're ugly. It just means that they said you're ugly. doesn't mean you are. They say you're stupid. doesn't mean you are. If they don't like you, doesn't necessarily mean that you're unlikable. just means that they don't like you, right? If they smile at you, doesn't mean anything. It just means that they're in a good mood, right? You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 we, we are so affected by not only the circumstances and conditions of our life, but by other people and how they treat us and how they view us and their expectations of us. And my ultimate goal in life, I don't know if it's my ultimate goal because there's, there's levels to that. I have ultimate goals around how I can impact other people's lives. But one of my major focuses, and like I said, off and on for the last 20 years, but really uh, diving really back into it for in service of humanity, right? This is my my inner work right now for me is it's 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 figuring out how I can share this effectively with you. And I guess today talking through this, hopefully this is valuable for you, um, but this helps me to gain clarity on how I want to articulate this to you and what messages are important and how to share them with you in a way that hopefully serves you and hopefully uh, is simple enough for you to walk away with some new insights and some new distinctions and some new ways of thinking and ways of being and, and ways of showing up for others and ultimately how you experience life. Because if you choose how you experience life, if you choose to choose, then you get to choose. Does that make sense, right? Like if you decide, hey, I'm I'm in control of this. I get to choose how I experience every moment of my life. And I want to feel good. So I'm going to create paradigms and strategies and structures and, and boundaries and, and rules and, you know, just ways of being and ways of interpreting others. And, and I'm, you know, and this is about acceptance and it's about being at peace and it's about choosing gratitude and it's about choosing to not take things personally, right? There's a whole plethora of, of different components here. And, and that's where, you know, I, I'm working to clarify these so that I can come to you and go, all right, step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. Um, and I'd love your feedback. Leave, uh, leave that in the comments below, if you would. If you are listening to this, uh, or even if you're not, you want to go over to halelrod.com forward slash 368. HalElrod.com forward slash 368. Um, and leave a comment. I'd really appreciate to, to know how does this land for you? Like what 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 resonated with you? Was there a, a, a quote, a sentence that I said or a concept that I shared or something that you're gonna do? Like what really resonated with you? And if you would be willing to share that with me, I'd really appreciate it because again, the work that I'm doing, um, I'd love to know what what of what of what I shared, what landed for you so that I can incorporate that into the work that I'm doing, into the writing so that I can help as many people as I possibly can with this message. And I hope that you will too. So if this did land for you, share it with others. Um, you know, they can listen wherever podcasts are, of course, or go directly to the website, halelrod.com forward slash 368. And that's where you can go to please leave your, what's it called? Comment. Yeah. Uh, goal achievers, members of the Miracle Morning community, fellow human beings. Like, I just think we're all family, right? You're, we're all brothers and sisters. And uh, I am so grateful for you and allowing me to be a part of your life. And I hope this was helpful for you. And um, I love you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. 
Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.